Welcome back to the Let's Talk Fucking Cancer podcast and Happy New Year's, everyone. We are so glad to be back. We have missed you. And we continue today with part two of Sean's story. If you have not listened to part one, go back to episode 19 and listen to part one and join us right back here for part two. Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk Fucking Cancer podcast. We are your support, so let's talk fucking cancer. He lived down the street and he had been coming by, no answer. He'd call, no answer. So finally one day, and I, I don't know how long, because I just kept Riley in the house because I couldn't, I wasn't, I wasn't functioning right. Uh-huh. And I, I was, you know, obviously I was scared. I couldn't watch him outside the house. So anyway, Daryl's called, he's come by, no answer, this and that. Nobody's heard much from me. He knows I'm home. He must have got in somehow, but he kicks open my bedroom door, right? And it scares the shit out of me because, honestly, by this time, I had stopped cold turkey. I didn't really know where I was, dude. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm serious, dude. When I tell you this, I, I believe this 100% when I tell you a piece of this. So he kicks open the door, and he looks at me, and he goes, you look like smoking crack, you know, like a junk, basically is what he's saying. Well, in Oklahoma, you know, there's at this and still today, but at this time, it was still a little bit, there was racial stuff, but the two of us didn't care. We were tight, right? Mm -hmm. So he picks me up out of my bed, puts me in his truck, emergency room, right? Like, Mm -hmm. because I I got a pair of basketball shorts on and a t-shirt, no shoes, nothing. And he can see that Uh this and and I'm like, not there. Yeah. Because I, I I mean, for, it took a while, but I I wasn't there for a while. So he takes me down to the freaking hospital because he knows that I need help, whatever, whatever's wrong. I need help, but he can't take he can't take me inside because he's scared because he's black and I'm white. And he's scared that if he, oh. he's going to get questioned and get in trouble. Right. And he tried to tell me that. And I remember him and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Go ahead. Right. I'll yeah. go in. Yeah. So I go in, of course. And they, they see, I mean, they can see it. So, not right. so we, they start to put IVs and stuff in me. And I'm so anti-drug by this point. I freak out and I rip all these IVs out of myself. Oh, no. Right. I get up off. I get up out of the bed and I take off. I'm trying to go home. Oh, no. But I'm lost in the hospital. I can't find my way out. Well, I'm curled up in a ball on this table. And here comes four cops. Oh, no. My buddy was a sheriff and had sent a friend of his to check on me um, at the house. So I thought it was my buddy's friend. So I reached like this. Oh, no. And I touch him like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're here. But that's 
It wasn't him. That no, and then that's not what they thought I was doing. So next oh, thing, no. oh, I'm like face down. And to be honest with you, I, I don't remember how, um, but whatever they felt I was doing, they made sure that I wouldn't do it again. Right. So, right. I'm cuffed. Um, I'm cuffed and I'm going to jail, dude. And I have yeah. no idea what the hell's going on. Right. Because of the withdrawal from this. Um, so they take me to jail. My dad gets me out of jail the next day, takes me all over the place looking for help. Um, I remember one doctor telling my friend Greg, well, my friend Greg had tried to take me to my doctor and he uh -huh. goes, we don't know. We don't know if he'll come back from this. Oh, no. I, and I and that's the only part I heard. But my right. dad, you know, of course, my dad's scared to death. So he tries to take me all over. And I begged him not to leave me anywhere because I was scared to death. And I thought I was going crazy. And yeah, um, here's the part. I saw God and I saw the devil when I was coming. Oh, wow. I'm telling you the truth. I, I really believe it even today that I saw those things wasn't just a withdrawal thing i really like it's in my heart i feel it and i maybe i'm crazy but that's the truth so all that goes on right my daughter decides that she wants to live with her grandma now we're 1800 miles away and i can't stop it if that right. issue if she gets so, I said, okay. And I thought maybe at the time it might be healthier for all of us. Right. Truthfully. So because I made the one major promise I made to Sabrina is that I would never split the kids. I thought, well, fuck. If Liv's going to be living in Yuba City, California, then Riley and I have to move. So we did. I mean. So that's what brought you back. That's what brought me back. I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, that and I don't know. I really wanted Terry in my life. Yeah. So, I mean, that obviously my kids came first, but that was a huge um, push for me to come back. Right. right. I, I knew she wouldn't come out there. I mean, I didn't waste any time, Colette. I, I Liv was just starting the sixth grade. Mm -hmm. um, communicated this to her grandma. Um, loaded up everything that Riley and I would need to make the trip. Um, loaded up everything in the car that Liv would want and drove straight out here. Like I'm talking, it was immediate. As soon as she told me that, um, obviously there was some hurt Yeah. on my part, but I had to do right thing. And if that's what she wanted that, you know, I wasn't going to win that fight. So I thought maybe you should go check it out. Right. Like, I wasn't sure how it would work out, um, but I had an idea. So that's how we ended up back in California, uh, was my wow. prompt to split my kids. And I went ahead and took Liv straight to her grandmother. Um, I had to have Riley stay here while I went back and took care of any, because we what we did was we just had a huge open house and I sold everything I owned. Okay. The little the major stuff that I that I wanted. I mean, if it was a TV, a couch, or whatever, ever I don't give a shit. Take it all, and it was hard, man. When I left, my buddy cried, and I had never seen this guy cry ever. And he's yeah, it was hard on everybody else around sure. me. Too. Yeah. So here I am back in California, right? And 
they were doing pretty good over there. But then all of a sudden, out of the blue, Liv's like, I want to come home. I'm like, Liv, I, I don't have any power anymore, honey. But nobody had guardianship. It was just an agreed upon thing. She did get to come see me and her brother, right? Occasionally right. with her. Um, but she's calling. And by this time, Terry and I had moved into the house on Elizabeth with Riley. Okay. Right? Yeah. And because when I got back, dude, we had me and Riley and I had an apartment. I had no job. We had a thousand dollar a month um, death stipend that Riley got. And that's what we lived on for the first six months. I had like 10 grand cash. Right. And apartment secured because the first and foremost we had to have a roof i laid that down for a six month and hope to god i found a job i mean that's where we were right yeah so but then we ended up in you know terry and i moving in together and and all that so Liv wants to come home and i i didn't know what to do because the grandparents weren't just going to let her go they must have heard this talk well here we are in court again and they're trying to get guardianship, but of course they assign a guardian ad litem lives about 15 by now. Mm-hmm. And Lev tells the court, basically, I, w- I want to be with my dad and my brother. But right. at this point, I, I, I had spent so much money on attorney fees and so much time in court and just all of it, dude. I was exhausted and my life was finally starting to get right. So I just went um to the hearing to listen um and of course they had hired the fucking baddest lady in town i mean terry and i knew who she was and i hadn't i didn't hire anybody i just went to the hearing so here's the grandma and the husband and their attorney and then here's the grandma which dude i didn't really know this lady at all the mother of the sperm donor because the sperm donor had been in jail he like 25 years here i'm sitting in the courtroom and the judge is here in the case and the judge knows that Liv wants to be with her dad and her brother and here's the grandparents with an attorney and here's the uh, mother of the sperm donor yelling at the so she starts yelling at the other grandparents they won't let me see my granddaughter and i don't get to know her and of course, the judge didn't give a shit because, yeah. you know, somehow she knew the story. That lady wasn't really involved in Liv's life. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it was automatic, dude. The judge says, Mr. Patrick. And I stood up and I said, yes, ma'am. And she lo- kind of looked at me like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Because I didn't do yeah. anything. I right. was just there because I was done fighting, dude. I, yeah. I was done. So it was like, uh, you know, are you going to fucking do anything, dumbass? That's kind of how she spoke to me. So um, I went and hired this attorney in Marysville, and the court date came for all of us to show up. The grandparents Mm -hmm. theirs and me with mine, and the grandparents didn't show up. Wow. Right? After all that. Yeah, so I got, I won, and that was it. Wow. I'm I'm very glad that the judge at least acknowledged you in a way of, like, you have all the power. Like, you can, you know, like, they didn't even consider either of the grandparents in that. 
Yeah, I mean, it was like, hey, dumbass, what are you doing? Your daughter wants to come home. Why yeah. haven't? Why? Where's your support? Why haven't you? Well, because I've been fighting for the last five effing years, and I'm tired. Right. Yeah. Not that I don't want my daughter. It's just that I just don't I don't have it in me to fight. I'm trying to rebuild my life now because by this point, dude, I had lost everything. Yeah. I was broke, dude. I mean, we're living on Riley's death stipend from his mother. Right. Yeah. Jesus. I wrote a check at one point for seventy five dollars for Riley to play baseball. And it was the last seventy five dollars I had. Oh, wow. Right. So, um, I mean, that long winded thing and was the, what, where cancer started for me. And that, I mean, it is insane because that is only part of your journey. Definitely want to get into your, your personal part of this journey, um, your specific diagnosis and you being a male is new to us as well. Okay. So um, it, I think it's a very, very important part of your story that we definitely need to hear. So your diagnosis was in 2019, right? September of 19. Okay. Um, and it was uh, sigmoid colon cancer. Sigmoid colon cancer. Okay. Yeah. And what stage were you? Like two or three. Okay. I thought so. <laughs> Here's the problem. <laughs> the way that we found out and by and the time but between the way we found out and the time that I got into surgery mm-hmm. was one of the fa- fastest things I've ever seen in my life. So it's, I'm, I'm it's, not, but Terry says uh, two two to three. Okay. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about um how how did you even find out like what made you go to the doctor what was happening or was it just a random find this one's a lot less convoluted (laughs) you you might laugh i'm going to tell you something i probably shouldn't but i thought (laughs) i I thought this was crazy so um we found out that i have a disease called avascular necrosis in my hips oh okay okay right so what with that and just real quickly with that it just means that the femoral head isn't getting blood flow and it's dying. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Wow. okay. It, it just so happened that my right side had collapsed and it needed to be replaced. Oh, right. Oh, Cause wow. it's su- super painful. And so, you know, we're getting already, I mean, we already had said uh, surgery scheduled for the replacement. Okay. Um, for like mid October, we'll call it. Okay. Um, This is embarrassing, but I think it's funny. Um, so Terry, are, Terry and I are doing what adults do one evening just for fun, because I was curious. I had the little blue pill. Yes. And I, and I didn't know what it, I didn't know anything about it, but a friend had given me one and I'm like, should we try that? You know, whatever. <laughs> I tell you this because this is how I found out what this is what got it started. Um, either a, I think it was a day or two later. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to use the bathroom and there's like blood. Oh no. Oh, okay. Like, I don't just mean like, cause 
a drop of blood and water looks like a lot. But yeah. This was like, oh shit. Oh right. wow. And of course, like it scared the shit out of me, right? Yeah. So I, I mean I took a picture of it and I said, Terry, what the you know, what the fuck? Right? Like, yeah. And there's all this blood, and I'm like, and and it just was weird because you know um, that blue pill's a vasodilator, so I, it may have been the thing that because I feel like maybe it was the thing that gave me the indication. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, it dilates. So maybe that tumor it did something where right, mm-hmm. it, it made me bleed. Right. So, and I don't know. I forgot to ask that to Dr. Dowie. He's he was my surgeon. Um, but so I go to urgent care. Um, and I know that I've known the doctor there for a long time. I love the guy's name's Dr. Mueller. And of course, he does some uncomfortable tests and mm-hmm. blood and all this. And but I'm not seeing anything abnormal. So I then, you know, went to my doctor, who, by the way, what was it? Three years earlier had saved my life when I had the LED blockage. Oh, that's right. He did. He remember. We have a lot of good things to say about Dr. Hoffman. <laughs> I love the guy, but yeah. Um, and so I trust him. So he's like, um, go, I want you to go get a colonoscopy, right? Yeah. Um, and by the at this point, of course, me, I'm like, I don't know if I'm in denial. I don't know where I'm I don't know, but I wasn't worried or anything i thought well we'll get the colonoscopy and maybe i just whatever hemorrhoid i don't know right but we go so we go you know we go in like any normal day i mean i'd had them before not the most fun a guy can have but um i'm starting to wake up in recovery from the anesthesia and the weird thing was terry was already sitting next to me right usually you wake up and then they call but apparently what he saw he was so certain of that he brought her back oh wow before i woke up before he could so here i am and they realize i'm waking up they don't even give me time to wake up all the way and she's sitting there going because you know terry she knows this can't be right something's not right if i'm sitting here you know i barely leave and they call her call me back you know what i mean um, and this guy, I'm serious, Colette, it was the craziest thing. Like Terry and I are sitting there looking at each other, kind of doing what we do and laughing and shit a little bit. I'm kind of, you know, still a little buzzed from the, mm-hmm. and then takes it. Here he comes. He walks right up, you know, and he's got this picture and he goes like that right in my face. Oh no. You have cancer. <gasps> Oh my God. I, dude, I don't remember for a few minutes after that. I mean, because that's, I swear to God, he took that picture just like this and he shoved it right in, right up close to me. And he goes, You have cancer. And I just saw, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was looking at. Jesus Christ. Oh, right. Um, But he, he, the way Terry explained it to me, because I just asked her this Saturday after you and I talked last weekend. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand, right? Like how he delivered the message seemed really brutal. Yeah, to me. But but Terry, you know, being in the medical field, Terry's like, listen, he he did that because 
there wasn't a doubt in his mind. He knew with 100% certainty that you had cancer. Right. 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 He didn't need a biopsy. He didn't need anything. He knew and he needed you to know that it's time to get moving, buddy. Right. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I, for a few minutes there, I don't remember. Um, I just sat there. I was still in the bed. Right. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm just sitting there and he's talking and I, I don't remember all of what he said. I had to like most of my life since I've been with Terry, I had to depend on her to remind me, right? Um, so I can't tell you if I was scared. I can't tell you if it shocked me. I can't tell. I really can't. I don't know how I felt. Right. I can't describe it. It's just like, oh, fuck, again? Right. Right. I mean, think about it. I just went through the cancer journey for four years. I finally get my shit together. Then I got to have a back surgery. Then I got the widow maker that could have killed me, which yeah. Hoffman saves me. And now are you fucking kidding me? Both my, I got to tell my kids that I have cancer after they lost their mom. Right. Oh my right. God. Uh, horrible. I- so, so honestly, ladies, that's probably the f- first honest thought I had. How in the fuck am I going to tell my goddamn kids right. that now has cancer? Right. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine having to come to that realization and try to find the the courage, basically, to, to tell them that. Yeah. And again, like I said, I so let me tell you something up front. A lot of my own personal journey, I just was automated. Right. Yeah. It was almost like life stopped. Yeah. And, I, and the, these are things I have to do, and I'm, I just got to do them. So my life, became, part of my hope in doing this with you is if I can find some of that, the feeling, because I haven't been able to find it all. Yeah. Uh, so we get the news, and, I mean, he moved fast, guys. He, he, he was so certain that he already had me scheduled with the surgeon. Wow. Right. So he pops the photo in my face. I think in the same week as when I met with Hikdawi to schedule the surgery. Yeah. Um, of course, we get all that. And, I, and Terry's got to remind me what, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know. I can't remember what I felt to tell you the tr- truth. Right. I just, it's like my mind went blank. Okay. Here we go again. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell my kids, fuck. It's and kind of like you shut down because of what you had been through already. Yeah. I I can't tell you. You may be yeah. right, but I can't tell you. Yeah. Um, so, of course, we, a really close friend of mine had been coming around a lot, and he had called after we got that news. So we're like, I'm like, hey, Joe, meet us over at Chili's. Terry and I are going to go have a drink. Let's. I got something I want to talk to you about. So we go over to uh, Chili's. Of course, nobody's hungry, but definitely needed some drinks. Mm-hmm. And he was, um, he was, he was the first person outside of Terry that I told. Well, Joe had lost a sister to cancer. Wow. And I felt so bad because, I mean, honestly, we got jackhammered. 
you know, I drank a lot more than Terry did, but my buddy's reaction, that really touched my heart. But it also, it, then I started getting confused, right? Because the kids had to know. Like, I couldn't keep it. The kids had to know, and they yeah. needed to quickly because it was moving. I mean, yeah. I saw Dowie that week in the surgery. So then the hip surgery is totally eliminated. Yeah. And the surgery for the um, to 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 open me up and go take the tumor out was like he somehow got it in place even faster than the surgery for the hip that was already scheduled for mid October. I mean, they were. Right. It seemed that as fast as they moved, I would say I'm assuming, and I can't tell you this is what I felt, but I'm assuming that that scared me a little. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. They, like Sabrina stuff took. Uh, there was time, right? Almost like hers should have been moved upon faster than mine, right? But they were not messing around. I'm telling you, it was so fast. So I'm, I'm assuming that I felt a little scared because it was so fast. But um, anyway, at Chili's, the first person we told was a guy I've known since I was probably twelve. Yeah, uh, and. Dude, I looked in his face when I told him. I said, "Joe, man, I, I just—I don't know how else to tell you this, buddy, but um, we just came from the doctor, and they said I have cancer, bro." And like he got real quiet, and you could see, you know, and you know, man, dude, we're fucking tough. Mm -hmm. We're not, you know. And he, dude, his eyes were red, and he had tears. It looked like I. You know what those reactions? Yeah. He was scared. You could see it in his oh. face. But I got to tell you, he's one of the people that never left my side during cancer. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, from colonoscopy, colonoscopy to surgery was like lightning fast. Um, and of course, I knew you know, the surgery was going to be, I've had so many surgeries that I wasn't really afraid of it. Um, but I was, I was tired of surgery. Mm, yeah. I yeah. Had shoulder, back, um, ulnar, rest and left arm multiple times and all this. So I'm like, okay, can I get some Versed? <laughs> you know? Um and by the way, to this day, I love that guy. I wish I had a reason to go see him. He was so awesome. That's good. I mean Hoffman told me how good he was. And I just God, I love that guy. I love him. Um, so I go do the surgery and I come out and I've got, you know, God knows how many 50 or 70 staples from my private parts all the way above my belly button. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's oh, wow. Right. You know, like that long. Yeah. And um, surgery went good, got the tumor out, hadn't moved anywhere, you know. Good. Felt very lucky, very yeah. blessed, very grateful. I know I did feel those things. Um, sure, still scared somewhere in there, but 
I'm telling you, I was blank for a long time. Yeah. I'm fighting now to remember how I felt. I heard a term the other day. um, I was telling the twins this last night called emotional blackout. Mm. And I was like, yes. I'm like, that is what I feel sometimes just completely like I can't verbalize what I was feeling at the time because I'm so just emotionally checked out, blacked out. And I know what you mean by like, just blank. Yeah, blank. Yeah. Unfortunately, or for whatever reason, or um, like I said, I, I, I believe in God. I believe in the universe. I don't know, believe in whatever you want, but there's things that go on in life that we don't have any control over. Um, mm-hmm. and things that happen to help us or challenges that are put in our way to make us stronger. Right. So, um, for whatever reason, this was put in my path. Right. Right. Um, I had to stick to that, but you know, oftentimes our brains to protect us will shut down. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's been my experience because outside of cancer, I've had a lot of other stuff go on too. Right. So, which all people have, I'm, by the way, I'm not saying I'm the only guy to ever have, I'm just saying I see that. Yeah. You know, my brain not working right because it's, it's probably protecting me from having a meltdown or whatever. Sure. Yeah. It was probably Um, the only way you could function. And I know a lot of people get like that too, where it's just moving through the motions, just trying to get through each day. Yes, ma'am. That and that's how it was, man. It was so 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 we go in and do the surgery. I don't remember how long I was in the hospital, maybe a week or whatever, because that was a pretty major surgery, right? Um, but he, you know, the next day, of course, you got the pain pump with the button because it hurt, right? Yeah. yeah. Honestly, he his Ekdawi's uh, biggest thing was um, to keep you comfortable because of the healing. You know, he wants you to okay. heal mm-hmm. right um, properly and comfortably. Um, but he, honestly, the guy hated uh, drugs. Okay, he just knew they're a necessary evil, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and you know, you've heard some of my past. I do have an addictive right personality. Right. Well, we'll, we're going to get to another piece of that. But so I spent whatever that was a week. And of course, Terry, you know, was my rock, like always. I don't know how I'll ever repay her. I love her so much. Um, (laughs) um, My buddy Joe that I mentioned, you know, uh, he came and spent time with me. But, you know, a lot of times I was sleeping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so, but I, if people came, I, I don't know. Pink. Hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> so uh, Joe came and it was like a Friday and he's such a, the guy is just a goer until he can't go anymore. So I look over at one point, he's just sleeping on the couch next to me. I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> came to see me, but he's tired, but he didn't want to leave. So he just took a nap. I was like, That's nice. so we just, whatever. And, one cool thing that happened to me is, um, and and this is when I'm still in the hospital, right? Is um, I when I was 14 years old, I moved out of my house. Um, my father and I um, couldn't get along, and I thought I was a man at 14. So um, he he went to work one day, and I left and went and lived with a girlfriend and her mother. Um, 
of course, at 14, you don't know jack shit. So, <laughs> girl, you know, the girlfriend part, um, after a while, whatever, I don't remember how long, um, faded, but the relationship that I had made with her mother, mm. um, I was so grateful because she, I mean, she took me in at a time that right. I, what I was doing, I was just a dumbass 14 year old boy and I was angry and whatever. Um, but what happened in the hospital, she showed up. I hadn't oh, seen wow. her. I hadn't seen her. Her name's Ruth. And I hadn't seen her in 20 years. Wow. And so that was one really cool. She came and sat with me for a while. And um, although she didn't, you know, she didn't look real comfortable. Um, but at least I got to tell her thank you and that I loved her. And, and she got to meet Terry and my kids. That was great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think even in these stressful times, because as you guys know, um, any, any cancer journey is difficult. And I don't care if it's just a little, you're going to be fine. Maybe you just got a little piece of skin cancer or like yeah. your friend that had it on that artery. Yeah. Like yeah, that's a major like oh shit, right? right? Like when I listened to that, it scared me. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, that was a an intense one. Yeah. Yeah, and no. So to me, no matter how small or how extreme the diagnosis is, it, it's hard. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. But I here I am laying in the hospital, pounding on that button as often as I could, and sometimes I didn't even need to touch the button to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, so that started, you know, that started some things. Um, and again, this moved really, really fast. When I finally got out, of course, I had, let's see, this was uh, mid-October. So it was getting later into November. You know, I had to heal for a while because it was pretty major. Like, I mean, he told me, you know, I felt around your liver and like, thinking that someone's that deep in your body that they've got your liver in their hands and they're checking it for tumors. And yeah, that kind of freaked me out. Um, yeah. when he mm -hmm. said nobody left me and that was different from the experience with my wife because right. I lost 90% of the people. Right. Yeah. So, um, but I had also made a humongous change in my life and, if you were in it, you were in it. And if you weren't, you just weren't. Right. Yeah. So the people yeah. that were left by the time I went, was going through this were only people that I knew if I called at three in the morning, they'd be there. And right. if they lived somewhere else, Oklahoma, one of them's in Oklahoma, one's in Oregon, whatever, that they would get on a plane at three yeah. and get here as fast as, you know, that kind of friendship. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, so I was very lucky in that aspect. And again, I, I can't tell you enough, dude. I mean, when I woke up from that again, I, I was yelling for Terry. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't function well without her anymore. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and that's something that I want. It's a really important to me. Um, I love my wife, man. And, I, you know, we... Uh, you heard the story, mm -hmm. but to find Terry and the kind of 
like love that I have for her. Like, I feel guilty telling this, but, you know, my wife and I kind of were the, just, we'd known each other so long and we loved each other and we thought we were doing what you did and you got mm -hmm. married and you had kids and you bought a house and yeah. lived your life. Right. But then I meet Terry and, you know, our relationship hasn't been all sunshine and roses and this part I hope doesn't sound crappy, but I told her the other day, it's so hard to think about the love that I had for Sabrina mm -hmm. and how I found you. And I am, I don't know what I would do without you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I, I was explaining my guilt. Because yeah. I'm like, God, babe, this makes me feel so guilty, but like you're the, you're like the other piece in me and my soulmate. That's how she describes. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I said, but God, is it bad? I feel guilty. No, that's, it's okay. You know, like, like I, I anyway, I, I don't know what I would do without her, dude. Yeah. But it, um, so there she is again, right by my side. I'm yelling for her when we get out of surgery. Um, McDowie was really cool in that he, she let her into recovery. I come home and I'm, you know, I'm not supposed to do anything. I've got bottles of pain drugs and yeah. Um, ate them like Tic Tac. I mean, I had 75 or however many staples and from, you know, I went back to have the staples removed so that we could get ready to consult with the oncologist, right? So, right. Um, and I still don't know how I feel, right? Because now I've got this freaking, you know, 15 or 20 inch scar, however long it is, which I didn't care. I never take my shirt off anyway. But <laughs> I've got this huge scar, you know, and got the staples removed, had a long conversation about the pain meds. Um, like I said, he he didn't like them, but I needed them, you know, mm -hmm. and then I really, um, when chemo started, then it got, so the staples come out, have discussions with Ekdawi, um, got to find an oncologist. Right. Terry and I both wish now we would have gone down to Sutter Roseville. Um, but we had heard about, um, we had heard good things about Dr. Wynn, so we went to have a meeting to figure out what we should do. Uh -huh. And he's like, you know, they, they, they removed the tumor. It doesn't look like it spread, but I wasn't forced to do chemo. Right. It was recommended, but he gave me a choice. And I'm like, well, I'd already been through this shit. And then, you know, Sabrina and some other friends too. On top of that, yeah, you know, I, other I've had other friends that. Um, so, of course, I'm going to do it right because I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I don't die. Because, of course, that's in your mind. Of course, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I got this amazing lady. I got the job I've been looking for for th that I've been working towards for 20 years, or you know, for 17 years. Um, my my kids are finally coming together. Everything's been smooth, and now this. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Okay. 
And of course, you know, Dr. Wen, I didn't like him at first because what I found and and not just in my experience, but in Sabrina's experience, um, but what I've found in, in talking to people in my, in the, my own personal experience is that um, oncologists really aren't, for instance, like a Hoffman. Okay. Um, they're be- they don't have bedside manner, right? They're yeah. like really direct and like, this is what I do, uh-huh. right? Almost like um, a corporate guy that doesn't have much social skills because he goes by numbers. Yeah, right? totally. So what I've learned is that it seems to me that's why do I give a shit if Dr. Wynn is my best buddy as long as what he's doing is correct and true as long as he's good at what he's doing like a surgeon right yeah right i don't need a surgeon to be cool i need him to know how to operate on me yeah so when i realized that and started cutting in some some slack and not because of course some of the anger was there i'm sure and it was coming out that way definitely yeah i'm a little you know i'm six foot one 250 i'm not a small guy and some of these people are small. I'm bald headed and usually have facial hair. So people are like, I'm not the most approachable, right? Like right. if you don't know me, if you know me, it's like, fuck, that guy's a baby. What do you do? You know, teddy bear. <laughs> right. Um, so when I realized that I tried to like, I tried a little harder to give him more slack. Yeah. And when I did, it loosened him up. Good, good. Right. And then, and then I trusted him. Yeah. So my plan was, um, it was six, um, like outpatient, um, you know, in the, in the port infusions. Okay. Yeah. So six, go to the hospital, um, go to the center and get your infusions. And then for the next, so every two weeks for the first six treatments, Mm -hmm. I would have to go in and they would do they would do the round, you know, okay. like the, and that thing took like, God, you were stuck in there for like four or five, six hours. Oh, right? wow. It took a while. And wow. So I meet Dr. Wynn and um, I go get the, then I got to go back and have the port put in. Yep. So now you got this freaking hole in your chest that you got to be cautious of and you can feel yeah. that damn, that damn yep. tube and you going up your neck, you know. I um, hated that. I did too. Um, because I would turn my head and then it'd be like, it, I'd feel that thing and like, Damn. Yep. <laughs> you know? Um, but anyway, so chemo started the first week in December. I was healed up enough that um, after, you know, whatever, six weeks was okay. start, uh chemo. So I'm not sure how I felt. I just know that. I was still kind of numb and right. I can, and with it, with the cer- almost certainty tell you, even though I don't totally remember, I was pissed. Yeah. Right. I, I, it, I would be dumb to think I wasn't angry. Absolutely. And I, and you know, I didn't do a ton of the, like, because you want to ask like, why, why me? Yeah. 
right? Like I just fucking spent four years of my life getting going through it, and then another five years getting my life back together. Now this, right? right? So I'm sure that was in my in there. Yeah. Again, like we began, your mind does things to protect you. Yeah. Um. So after we got that worked out with Doctor Wen, I went back to Doctor Dowie, and he did the port. All that went fine. Um, and then it was time to start, you know, to start the chemo. So right. we'd go in and um, I, me- I remember the first one vividly. Of course, Terry's right by my side. Um, but I just marched in there like, I don't know, like in my somewhere in my mind, you know, this has to be done, dude. You can't. And I'd, it's weird because I'm a very anxious guy. And mm-hmm. I'll think about it you know the things that matter i will think them to death until i am certain i have my grip on it but that didn't happen with this it was like there's no choice dude you got to do it right right you know so i remember walking in there the first day and i'm seeing all these and you know you're seeing younger people you're seeing older people you're seeing men you're seeing women in different conditions um and you know, just looking around, and of course, I have a lot. I have a lot of sympathy, so I'm like, "Fuck these poor people, right?" So, I'm, you know, they take you back the first day, and they do the blood pressure, and they take your weight because they do it every fucking time. <laughs> and of course, they're you know they're checking your blood, and they're poking you here, and they're poking you there. But I go to sit down in that chair, and again, I'm sometimes I'm just a grumpy guy and I'm sure at this point I'm really not happy and there was this little sweetheart of a girl given out and I still have it right here these blankets little oh yeah for comfort right yeah um and that she was sweet right there were, I mean she wouldn't take the blanket right she was super sweet and I'm like no right no. <laughs> Kind of growled at her, but Terry's like, here, just, you know, give it to me like Terry does, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I was the first day. I was real gruff. So I'm taken to the, you know, you know, those chairs that, you know, that I don't know how yours went, but these were, um, this wasn't like the experience I had with Sabrina. So in Dr. Wynn, by the way, this is over at Ride Out. Uh, okay right out uh cancer care whatever whatever it's called okay and in all honesty the facility compared to what i had been through already was really nice right um there was separation yeah right um you might have like a guy but there's like a you know table and there's some separation mm-hmm. but yeah. it was a wide open so, you know, when you first go in and you meet the oncologist and all that, then they recommend, like, it's mandatory that you take the orientation. Yes. I don't remember exactly how that went down, but I said, fuck that orientation, and I never took it. Oh. <laughs> so, so it, we'll get there, but it led to issues, right? Yeah. Things that I was like, what, what the fuck? Why aren't they... Like, why not not this? What the fuck this, that, and all this? And I told you to take the goddamn orientation, right? (laughs) Um, 
so I sat down to, to do my first round. I just kind of marched in and, you know, I wasn't real talkative. I just knew it had to be done and okay, we're going to do it. This is going to suck. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to whatever. So that, you know, they, they had this certain, the chemo I did was some kind of, um, you know, cause chemo is extremely toxic. Like, right. dude. so, um, whatever this was, so apparently they take whatever this was called. And I can't remember. It wasn't red devil like that. It yeah. was, you know, it wasn't cause that's like the really extreme, like we're right. going to yeah. kill this shit. Right. Yeah. But this was a super toxic, um, it had super toxic substances or whatever that were drawn out of the soil. Um, that's how it was explained to me. I thought it was interesting. Um, but anyway, so they come in and to be honest with you, I had a different idea of what cancer nurses should be, behave like because the first experience they were like sweethearts and right. Yeah. They gave a shit and it wasn't like I'm, I'm this, I'm just here to do a job, right? Like I'm not the kind of person that needs to be babied, but I do like respect, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. I sat down, they hooked me up, they did all the shit. Of course, they like to pump a bunch of Benadryl because they're kind of wanting you to go to sleep and relax through it. But of course, me, I had to be hard headed and freaking not. You know, I've done, I have to do everything the hard way. Um, so every time I went in like that, that they had to hook me up. And then what I had to do was carry a pump. Right. For like three, three or four more days. Yeah. So here I'm walking around with this, you know, IV looking tube that goes into the pump and the pump's got been set up and it's into the port. And right. I mean, that's got a function. Uh, every w one week, every two weeks. Right. Okay. So I accepted it. But what happened was um, I started getting really annoyed with the nurses because they were, they just didn't seem to give a shit. They were nasty. Wow. Right. Like that, that's my biggest complaint about it. Right. Yeah. That, that's so unfortunate because like, how do you look at someone that has cancer and at least not have the ability as a medical professional right. to have some empathy. Like, yeah. I don't want your sympathy, but have some freaking empathy and at least, you know, be respectful and kind like this. Right. Example. <clears throat> After like, I'm, I think it was like the first or second treatment, I started having a lot of pain in my bones. Yes. Oh, okay. But, uh, but and I mean like, I need something for this, yeah. right? Not going to be able to tough this out, like, and especially in my knees. Um, but my knees, Co, I would wake up in the middle of the night, like excruciating pain. And this mm -hmm. is like, after, I'm, I'm just going to call it the second treatment. Yeah. Um, screaming and Terry runs in like, what, what's wrong? And I'm like, my, you know, God, my fucking knees are cute. I need something for the pain, Terry. And so the next round where I had to go in, I had this younger nurse from Chico that was what doing whatever, filling in. I hadn't seen Dr. Wynn because I didn't always see him during yeah. the session. You know, I, I might see him. Yeah. Yeah. 
like the day after or whatever yeah. because they wanted to check your levels you didn't take your blood and so i'm like i ask her i tell her and so terry's sitting there with me like the the pain i'm having in my bones i need you got you got to help me i need something right yeah and dude she treated me like i was a fucking drug seeker and it made me it made me i'm telling you dude i was so angry she goes he's not going to give you drugs. Oh, wow. And just an example of, yeah, Jeez. so, and, and that's how most of them were. Yeah. And not, that's not unfortunate. They were just like, I just thought that if you, if you chose to be a nurse, one, you're choosing to care and help people. Right. And part of helping people is, comforting them and making them feel like it's going to be okay at least if i were in a nurse that's how i would behave like, right yeah right? and if it you know everyone gets overworked everyone's tired but if it yes. comes to a point that you can't go out of your way yes. still at least have the common decency the just respect the respect passion being polite like it's just yeah there's not yeah it, it, it's not like 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 this to me I can understand a nurse that's working rounds or uh, emergency room traumas or whatever, because they're so overworked and short staffed. I get it. Mm -hmm. You're burned out. You're frustrated. I get it. Right. I, but this is oncology, dude. Some of these people are going to fucking die. Right. Yeah. And you don't know which ones. So you should treat everybody with some kindness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Either way, it's a scary situation to be in. It, oh there's yeah never a need to make someone feel worse than they already are right yeah and shit honestly by this time i'm i don't know what it was like that brain shutdown thing right like it yeah. was, i i'm sure i was scared to death right being honest i'm sure yeah. I was, i'm sure i was angry yeah like how could you fucking do this to me again um but I met a really awesome nurse, though, to give credit. And when I met with Wynn, um, I we told him, dude, I hurt bad, right? Like, I was just real with him. I said, you got to do something. So, of course, he does, but he goes a little overboard. And he had a nurse, like a nurse that was like his, I don't know if she, because she didn't work back where you got your chemo. Um, okay. I would, she like worked at, like this, this desk and took care of the calls and the, the prescriptions. And so I don't know, um, but God, I loved, I loved her. She treated me with respect. She was so kind. And most of the time when I was dealing with her, it was because I would need a refill. Right. Right. And I was obviously in a lot of pain, but also it, so the prescription that he gave me, was something that I'd never had. Like I'd hydrocodone or, you know, whatever for my arm or my shoulder or Percocet or, you know, whatever they gave at that, I don't, I don't know. And of course I'd have the stuff for the surgeries, but I, I, I'd never had um, any of the oxycodones or the oxycodone. Oh, okay. He, the prescription was big. Mm. It was like, trying to think how but it was like it got to like 80 milligrams a day 
Oh, wow. Whoa. Well, uh, you know how big that is. Yeah. Especially that drug. Yeah, that's a lot. But if I'm being real with you, um, and I'm assuming that's what you want, at first, I, I didn't take it all, right? At first, I didn't take it all. But truthfully, dude, it got to a point where I just fucking kept taking it. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, the first, like, five months, um, the pain was, God, it was so intense. Although, actually, I think it took six months to get through the IV stuff. I was going to ask, too, was there any, did the chemo have any, I'm assuming it did, effect on your hip that you were already having the necrosis with? Um. I don't know because on the honest answer is I really don't know because the femoral head on the right side hip had already collapsed and that's why we were going to surgery, but fully collapsed by the time I got done with my cancer treatments. Wow. So at so at the same time you're dealing with that pain as well. So Yeah, so yeah. yes, absolutely. And let me tell you, hip pain, I've never had anything that hurt as bad as hip pain. Mm -hmm. And I've had like I just told you, I've had a lot of operations. Right, yeah. Parts operated on, I meant to say. Aside from what Nurse Ratchet said, when I we told him what was going on, he did um, prescribe, you know, two, two you know, the two uh, time release. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to say it was like six Roxycodone a day. Wow. Which is a lot, dude. Yeah, yeah. Either four or six, but so... In the beginning, I didn't take the time release. I just put them away in the safe in case, mm -hmm. right? Like, whatever. But I was eating the Roxycodone like Tic Tacs. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and at first, you know how it is, dude. At first, like, one or two works. Right. Mm -hmm. But two months later, one or two doesn't work anymore. So what do right. you do? You take one or two more. And on and on. And that's what happened. I mean, um, I definitely came out of cancer with an opiate right. issue. Okay. Um, yeah. But because of the hip trouble, mm -hmm. I still have to take some. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I'm taking only, it got out of control way further than I thought it would. I found out what it, what I found out when you, if you listen to people with recovery, um, talk about how at a certain point you have no more control. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I didn't understand that. I'm like, if I one of my it, favorite, one of my favorite sayings from NA is one is too many and a thousand is never enough. Wow. Ab absolutely. Yeah. Um, no doubt. I, I'm just sharing because this is part of what happened to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I did get to that point where I felt like, oh, shit. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, but in all honesty, it didn't, it scared me so bad that I just recently got myself back down to my prescribed dose. Good. Okay. Good for wow. you. Because I felt like, dude i'd heard that and i'm like earlier in life had some recommendations so i went to some aa stuff and you know yeah, for, yeah. i like to drink quite a bit but i definitely came out of cancer with a opiate addiction yeah uh, 
I tell you something that helped me a lot. Uh, marijuana. Yeah, definitely agree. I think that CBD CBD is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think THC used in the right way is amazing. And yeah. so, you know, it, using it in the right way and especially, you know, as do as you wish. We always say to the listeners, do as you wish, but we obviously don't recommend inhaling and, you know, smoking because no Absolutely. smoking is good for the lungs. Right. But, you know, do as you wish, but definitely using it in a proper way and edibles and tinctures yeah. and stuff are fantastic. And no, I, I have heard that before, especially with pain management. Mm -hmm. And if you have struggled with, you know, taking too much of certain medications, I've heard that that has been a way for people to to lower their, their oh. intake oh. by substituting it, hopefully in a healthy way with CBD, THC, because I genuinely, I think it works wonders for, yeah. for you know, used in the right way for medical reasons. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I... I, I didn't lie to the doctors. I, you know, I told them. And, and so we had a, just a quick explanation. There's a place, Marysville got its first dispensary just before I uh, was diagnosed with cancer. So, yeah, of course, I, you know, I go over there, but I mean, edibles, right? Yeah. But um, for cancer patients, they would give you, um, and I did a lot of reading. You know, Rick Simpson, do you know who Rick Simpson is? I don't. So Rick Simpson is a guy in Canada that cured his own cancer. Through, oh, wow. Okay. Through uh, an oil that he developed from the plant. Wow. Wow. Like, yeah. Um, of course, you had to be real careful because the, the, it was... The the it, I want to say one of them had barely any THC, but one of them had a very high amount. Okay. So yeah, like okay. the recommendation was like a grain of rice. Oh okay. Oh, of an oil. Uh, it's it's in a syringe. Oh yeah. okay, yeah okay. Right, and so um, I I had done a lot of research on him because we did use. Um, marijuana for yes. Sabrina. Yeah. Um, yeah. We made a trip to California just because in Oklahoma, that was. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. I, did, I didn't know anybody there, but I knew people. Right. There. Yeah. And it, still, it still wasn't legal. Right. So, right. Um, but what it did for me was, or so a perfect union had like three facilities and what they do for um, cancer patients is, they give you top shelf eighth of flour um, and uh, the oil. Nice. Yep. Once a month. And you could yeah. go to all three, three sets of that, which Terry and I did for a while. And okay. the reason we, and I'll tell you what it helped me with, not necessarily the pain. It probably, you know, I've found that it relaxes your mind more than anything. Yeah, definitely. And and if you you know, then there's different um the sativa indica, if you've done your research, mm -hmm. you know that you know, one will kind of make you a couch potato and one will mm -hmm. yeah want to work. Um, but what it did for me was it helped me eat 
because I didn't really feel like eating. It helped me drink, right? Because, it, you know, I, I needed to drink a lot of water. Yeah. And yeah. so th those are the things it did for me. It just helped me to eat and, dr and drink water and, yeah. and whatever. I didn't don't drink a lot of much besides water anyway. Right. Um, God, it was so hard to go sit in there and deal with those nurses were so nasty. And I felt like a freaking pin cushion, you know, yeah. but, and I'm about done with at this point, I'm about done with the IVs um, and carrying that pump around. And, but I was, God, I was so tired of being poked and prodded and pulled on and messed with. And yeah, you know what I mean? I was like, just getting yeah. kind of nasty, you know, cause like, yeah fuck cancer like you said you know yeah yeah and so i've got another really close friend that lives up in oregon yep um he just knows me let's put it that way and he knew that i you know was being i, I had to be real cautious right because my immune system was non-existent right. you know that um but he knew i wasn't doing anything right like not getting out of the house to take a ride or not really talking a bunch or whatever. Yeah. Um, but this was really cool. So I had to start the next step of my treatment was the pill, the chemo. Pills. Okay. Oh. So I did like six months of the IV and then I want to say four months of the pills. Four five. Okay. Um, he showed up here in an RV and it was during when COVID was first starting, mm -hmm. right? So they had to be careful because I couldn't afford to get sick because yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, they showed up in this RV and I guess they had made this plan with Terry to take me, you know, if you go straight down highway 20, you end up at, you know, Fort Bragg at the coast yeah. on one oh one. So they, I guess they had, made this formulated this plan with terry and got her approval because you know she's the boss um <laughs> and they showed up here with this rv and they're like hey we're out of here nice what the f you know <laughs> um and yeah it was one of the most amazing trips i've ever taken they so since i had um um the pill form of chemo right i there was no reason i couldn't ride in yeah. So they, they, they drove me from, you know, here in the valley where we lived. We started in Fort Bragg and went all the way back to um, Oregon on, on the coast. Me and my okay. son, right? I did my chemo, but I was starting, you know, the pills were heavy. The, the pain pills were. So I'm sitting in the back, you know, kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was getting getting to the point where I was nodding because I was just eating them, dude. And I I think part of eating them was because I didn't have to think. Just like this Danek story, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was like I hated that part of it. But they came down and took me up there, and then actually, because COVID was getting worse. Um, I actually did like six weeks. I just stayed up there. But oh, nice. Check this out. I thought this was a beautiful thing from my friends. Not only the fact that they did this and came here and did all this, and they didn't do it with any other intention than to try to help me be 
you know, of course, we had to buy food and stuff along the way, you know. Um, we did a lot of, like, you know, we'd find a spot by the beach and barbecue, you know. Or, yeah. Of course, I did some things I wasn't supposed to. I'd drink a little. <laughs> Not real proud of that. But, um, but you know, when you're looking, I, I think this, too, when you don't know what's going to happen, right? Right. Definitely, yeah. Is it going to take me out? Is it going to come back? Is it going to go away? You don't know. So at that point, I was like, I'm, I'm going to enjoy whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So what they would do is they would not, they allowed me in one store. They would go in the store. They would come out with the bags. One of them would get inside and one of them would stand outside. They would wipe everything down. Oh. <laughs> I'm talking even potato chip bags, you know. Candy, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Because probably because Terry told him to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No smart. But, yeah. Your immune system is like nothing at that point. Yeah. yeah. And, and God, could you imagine getting sick while you have nothing to fight? Getting it? COVID. Yeah. Right. So um, we, we made that was one of the. We still talk about it today. It's one of the best trips I've ever made. We stopped at uh, we stopped at the prison up there in Eureka or uh, Crescent City, you know, um, Pelican Bay. Oh, okay, yeah, nice. We just we just looked at some stuff that you know none of us had ever seen. You know, I saw some parts of the Oregon coast I'd never seen. It was absolutely beautiful. That's it awesome. Did my, my heart a lot of good, and then um, because Terry was around the patients all the time that's when i stayed up there for six weeks because she's oh, like, okay you know why don't you do your next round up there because i'm in and out and they were happy yeah. in a nutshell that was my journey i the only thing i can tell you that i need to do is um i got so tired of dealing with cancer yeah um don't get mad you know i'm not in remission yet Right. You got to go five years, five before. years. Right. Um, I, I haven't been um, diligent about my screenings. I know. <laughs> I, I already know. I, I was so effing tired. Yeah. Poked and prodded and touched and messed with that. Right. But I'm there. I'm going to go. Are you going to go? I was going to ask, can can you set a goal for when you'll do it by? I have to see Hoffman again this month, so I'll probably mention it. And good. Okay, good. I, I was so, God, I was so burned out on dealing with those people over there. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It becomes I mean, such a part of your life for so long, and you've done it twice now. Let me tell you this, too. I didn't share that. I I see people that social media t tell everybody this and that. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell anybody. Right. I mean, right. I I have a sister. We don't speak anymore, but we did then. And I mean, she found out, but I was like, I don't want anything. You know, kind of leave me alone, kind of thing. Right. right. Yeah. Because that's how. Like I said, in my opinion, that's been my experience. They either run because they think death. Yeah. I think it thinks. I think it when people hear uh, the cancer, 
Um, I think it, I really believe that it makes them think about their own immortality. I agree. And it scares the shit shit out of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, mom getting um, diagnosed and yeah, you hear that word. mm -hmm. And in my head, I associated it with death. death. And I was like, I'm going to lose my mom. But then because we had never really dealt closely with anyone who had been through something like that or had a diagnosis like that. And it wasn't until you started going through it that I was like, oh, it doesn't always it mean, mean what death. it means, what right. I think it means. Yeah. It right. yeah. You, know, you can That's have a good prognosis. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that again, I'll go back to that lady I listened to last weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My gosh. Yeah. Dude, that yeah. was on the death sentence. I mean, yes. that's yeah. that you could get and she's doing well. She's- She's here. She's doing well. Exactly. And you yourself experienced two extremes of what the outcome can be and also um, types of care Mm -hmm. where you were getting, you know, she had a different type of facility. You had kind of a nicer facility, but she maybe had better bedside care where you were getting crap bedside care. And it just shows the extremes that, you know, someone can experience in a cancer journey. And a lot of times our brains immediately go to the worst. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mine did. Yeah. Just, just, just just like Julia just said, mine did. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. My first phone call to was to Greg. What am I going to do? I'm going to lose my wife. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, I just hope for anybody that has to deal with it, that they get at least someone um, that's helping uh, through the journey that has empathy. And um, because, right, you don't need any more negativity. You're going to give right. enough. Gosh, talking to you for four hours. I told you it was going to take me forever. <laughs> That's okay. We covered from 2007 to 2023. It was going to take a little time. Yeah. Because there's two, you've told two stories, you know? Yeah. Two vastly different experiences that have happened in your life that has shaped you mm-hmm. in a crazy way, I'm sure. Yeah. And I, like I said too, I, what finally made me do this is because I thought it would help me by getting all of that out because yeah. a huge, I I'm haunted a little bit. Right. So it puts me into some problem areas with my mental health as far yeah, as absolutely. Yeah. Uh, depression and a lot of guilt, man. And I've yeah. been told multiple times by people who are right there beside me, like, dude, you have to let that go. Yeah. That, the biggest piece is that separation part. Like, did I let her down? I fuck, you know what I mean? That's in there. Yeah, absolutely. So do this for, like I told you, for two reasons. One, um, my God, I hope some, if it helps one person, right? Yeah. Stay confident. And yeah, I mean, you're going to feel all the emotions anyway, but yeah, try your best to just know you have, you know, I got to do this. And yeah it's going to be okay. Um, and the second reason was a lot of people wanted me to do this for me to, to try to get. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that was one of the biggest things weighing on me. I was like, if Sean comes on here, I think it's going to just really just to get it all out in one big, most people don't sit down and just tell something from the beginning to the end, tell their story and tell their story and just, getting it out hopefully will just help a little bit you know it all maybe open up some of those doors for you so to your point like there's 
there's one thing that's reoccurring and it always takes me down, right? It puts mm -hmm. me in a hole and it's affected my job. Right. Yeah. And it always happens. Um, it's gotten easier because uh, we're in December, right? Yeah. Um, it's gotten easier. December's gotten a lot easier. I've gotten a lot better about December. But usually, and it happened again this year, and mm -hmm. it had a meltdown. Um, August, then August is her birthday. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. And I don't, and I'm telling you guys, I don't, it's got to be subconscious because I don't outwardly think, oh shit, it's Sabrina's birthday. I'm going to be sad. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, shit, today's Christmas Eve. I'm going to be sad. Right. But somewhere, I mean, something in there is haunting me. And that is what I see the most of is this whatever subconscious, whatever it is. It usually has to do with these certain, these dates come and it's like. Yeah. 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 That's what's funny is a year later, I lost my dad. Right. Right. Oh, and, wow. Um. And I, am, I honestly, to tell you the truth, girls, it wasn't proven, but I think it was cancer. Oh, um, God. He died before we could prove it, and he wouldn't, he was like John Wayne type. He would, I'm not, I'm not going to the doctor. Right. So we never knew, right? We knew something, yeah. but we didn't know what. Yeah. Um, but the reason for telling you that is because, you know, I know that day too. This does not happen in February. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. That was the reason for telling. I'm, I'm starting to spit it out a little more often, right? Like last Saturday, Terry, some of the things I was spitting out, she's like, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what you were saying. Yeah. yeah. And that's good. You, you, <clears throat> we keep saying that everyone does this on their own timeframes and at their own pace. And I didn't seek therapy until <laughs> like a little over a year ago, you know, so it's like everyone has to do it at their own pace. And like you said, you're saying these things a little bit more, you're dealing with it a little bit more. And that's the best we can do is meet ourselves where we're at. Yeah, everyone's going to have their own, you know, coping, you know, journey. And, you know, it, it's, it's the nitty gritty. And I'm so glad I got to hear your whole story. I didn't know probably 90% of that. Yeah. And I just want to say I'm very, very happy and, you know, glad that you've been able to, you know, wean down on the, the medications and everything. You obviously have real legit reasons to be needing that, but it's, it's hard to be able to need something and, and fight a, a form of addiction in any mm -hmm. sort of way. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm happy for you. It, you know, guys, it's been a long road. I mean, it, I didn't even feel, it took eight years for me to feel again, to yeah. truly, like feel and just a little bit. Right. Yeah. I, I was also numbing myself. Right. Right. Like, Absolutely. Right. Yeah. My drinking almost lost, lost me Terry because yeah, it was stupid. Now I hardly ever had touch it. Matter of fact, I don't remember the last time I did touch it. Right. Don't it, don't really crave it, you know, but it was the go-to, right? Because if you got drug tested, well, you'd lose yeah. your alcohol is acceptable. How stupid is that? Right, right. But, no. yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. I, I And you know, Colette, if I haven't said it, um, 
And you too, Julia. I didn't know that you were a part of it. I I, I heard that other lady, but um, I, I mean, what you're doing is amazing, dude. What you've started here is I've bragged about it so many times. And oh, thank you. I, I've run into people that are like I had a high school guy that I knew, not found out his wife had breast cancer, and so I, wow. I you know, I had no contact, but but it was on social media. Yeah. So I reached out via messenger and I said, Hey man, um, I've had a lot of experience with, uh, what you're going through. Yeah. Um, if you need anything, I'm here to help, but yeah. Um, a very close family friend, um, sent him the info said, if you need anything dude, call or call me. That's, um, oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing, you know, that, our, that's, our information. Yeah. Yeah. That's just one example, but I, I do that. I've yeah. done it a uh, right. I don't think any of them have used you the way I'd hoped they would, but at least they know it's there. That's, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I know I've, I've dealt with two people that you have sent me. And oh, so, really? yeah. I got to look back and see who they were, but yeah, two people have contacted me through you. So you're out there doing, doing the work. <laughs> that, that is so, I'm so proud of that. I, yeah. No, I, I just, I mean, come on, man. You just heard what I told you, and that's not a normal story. Right. And so right. if me just telling the story or throwing them your way or I can talk to them myself, and if that helps one person, God, I've done it. I've done something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly I, I, how we feel. Yeah, I have a lot to get to give. To, I have a lot to be thankful for, even though yeah. some forget that. And I have a lot to... Uh, I think I owe. Because you passing along the message, you telling your story. Yeah. that Those are all huge. Mm. You know, those are reminders, man. Mm-hmm. They make you think about stuff that you really haven't wanted to. Yes, absolutely. But at some point you've got, I believe, and part of this, doing this, it, it, it may be time to be reminded. And yeah, like, that may be the healing steps. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. That it's, you know, and like I said, it's at your own pace and this is your pace and you've taken a huge first step with talking to us. It's my pace is slow. <laughs> I'm not okay. just in this and everything I do in life. It's slow. Yeah. That's, right? I feel that. <laughs> Anxious minded people. It's, I have to think it through and be sure this is it before I yeah. do something. no matter what. Oh yeah. 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 But Anxiety I, I can be paralyzing. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I thank you so much for, you know, the invite. Thank you so much. I just, I know this was huge. I know that you had to think a lot about this and just you being willing to open up to us and be, just be vulnerable. That's yeah. huge. So thank you for joining us. Yeah. I told you some stuff I'm not real proud of. You know what? It's part of your journey and it's what makes this real. And it's what makes it what people can learn from. Yeah. You know, and it's nothing that no one else has, you yep. know, not dealt with before you know exactly it's It's things that people don't talk about openly and you were so open and honest with us it was huge you know so i think that it's great that you broke a little boundary that we haven't been able to break yet and Mm -hmm. maybe people will start being you know more more vulnerable and telling telling the deep down nitty gritties that 
you know, it, the cancer journey isn't just about cancer. It's about dealing with real life on top of it. And yeah, it's fucked sometimes. Absolutely. That's the best word I could use. Yeah. <laughs> it so it's more fucked than people can, that haven't dealt with it. What a map could have, you can't, if yeah. you haven't been through it, you just don't, you could never understand how right. hard it is. You got to understand how much I love Terry and how much I know. love I have for the people that she cares for most and you guys know that you're those people right yeah like it's yeah i really i just give a shit i just worry about oh i i I wish nothing but the best i i I mean hell if you ever need anything from me or just to like rant and rave call me thank you so much sean i appreciate that all right guys have a great Uh rest all right you take care okay bye we are your support thank you for talking cancer 